Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. I am so excited for this week's episode with Krista and Lindsay of the Almost 30 podcast. We talk about all kinds of things, including friendships, female friendships, healing the mother wound. They share about how they are taking care of their now long distance relationship, which is so fascinating. And then we switch topics and we start talking about um, spirituality and creating their own spiritual practices. And it's just such a good conversation. I'm just still like reeling from it. It's just, I felt like a warm glow being in their presence. Um, and I'm so excited that they're here today. Okay. So before we get into the episode, as always, um, I've got my own check-in. And this week, I want to share some stuff that's coming up for me as for being a dog mom. <laughs> and this is for all pet owners out there. I'm sure that you can relate. <laughs> my um, my lovely dog, Frida, who you have heard, I am sure, on this podcast before. She is a vocal lady. She is a beautiful um, mid-size, <laughs> medium-sized dog. She looks like a husky made love with a German shepherd, made love with a, um, what is it called? A Bajoing, Bajingo. Damn it. I have to look it up. It's not a Bichon Frise. It's the African Sahara dog with a B. Basenji. There it is. That's right. I have a computer in front of me so I can just look it up while I talk to you. Uh, Yeah. So she's just a beautiful dog. Very expressive. Um, She has like a beautiful white part of her eye, which kind of reminds me of um, David Bowie. I say David Bowie, even though it's it's not actually correct because David Bowie had an iris that like was a different shape than just a circle. Um, And so it was a really – he just had such interesting eyes. So even though her her little white spot is a little different than David Bowie, I call it her David Bowie eye. And I have met one person in, on this earth that immediately saw her and called it a David Bowie eye. And obviously we were soul mates, meant to be friends, um, but I never spoke to them again. <laughs> anyway, my beautiful dog um, is officially getting a dog walker. And I will just share that we've had her for three years. When we first got her, my fr- my husband had a job where he could come home every day and walk her during lunchtime. So she was, you know, I think maybe left alone at most for four, three or four hours. She's getting a lot of exercise and um, it made it, you know, just made it really easy to take care of her and raise her as a puppy. And two, oh my God, almost two years ago, we, you know, fell into this global pandemic that I'm sure you've heard about. Um, and I started working from home. And so I've just been working from home for two straight years, two straight blissful years. I love getting to be home with her all day. This girl just sleeps all day. Like I'm not playing with her or like um, interacting with her. She's just in the room with me. And her favorite thing to do is to be a guard dog. So she barks at people like the mailman and visitors. And um, that's just what she does. So I got a job. Yes, thank you. And I'm now uh, going into the office more often. And I will soon be going to the office like a lot more often. And I just decided like I'm going to the office. You know what? I would just love her to have a dog walker. Like I think that would be a really nice thing. I don't know if everyone feels this way. I'm sure they do because every time I make a statement like that, it's like most people are like, yeah, I feel the exact same way. But I was just like a little worried that my dog would be too much or she would be too aggressive or like over the top because she's a big dog. She's a big dog and she's also a shy dog. So she doesn't like other dogs fucking with her and she will let them know. And so our dog walker, or hopefully dog walker, came over today to do a meet and greet. And the whole time I'm just thinking like, how is this going to work? I don't know. Because every time someone comes over, my dog just like barks at them for five minutes until they like pet her and then she moves on. And this happened to my poor cleaning lady. 
This happens to my friends. This happens to me and my husband when we come home too. Like she just barks at us for a really long time. She's very, very vocal. So I was so worried that she would just be like too much and freak out the dog walker and she would leave immediately. But of course the dog walker like loved her and gave her a bunch of treats and so, you know, pet her and just understood her. It was really cool to see. And I was so relieved that she agreed to take her on walks. We'll see how it goes, you know, trial period. And um, she asked all the right questions, which made me feel so safe and wonderful. But it's just funny because now I'm like reeling from the whole anxiety of like, is she going to be okay? Is she going to be too much? And I'm thinking, you know, like if if she couldn't handle it, there would, another person would. Like I would just find the right dog sitter for her instead of having to like, you know, have all this anxiety about like, can we make this one situation work? I can be like, if this doesn't work, we'll find another one. Mm, it's that, it's that like that forcing, what's that called? Um, it's the opposite of abundance, right? Like I have a scarcity mindset and when an opportunity presents itself, it's, that's the one it's gotta be it. Whether that's a lover, a job, um, a solution to a problem that I'm having, like getting a dog walker. So, this was just a wonderful, really wonderful reminder to um, get back into the abundant mindset and not feel like I need to shoehorn whatever option is in front of me into working. So I wanted to share that all with you. And hopefully this dog walker works. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, that's great. I'm going to find another one. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with my dog. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with this dog walker. There we go. This dog walker has no idea that she's on my podcast or that I would be speaking about this today, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> All right. Um, what are my announcements? Oh, my gosh. Please, if you're enjoying the show, please, please, please leave a rating. I need ratings. I would love for you to give the show a rating. It helps boost awareness in the Apple iPod app um, so that more people can listen to this amazing free content, these free tools, um, these free and super amazing conversations um, on vulnerability and self-acceptance. So please, if you're in the Apple Podcast app, leave a review. If you're in Spotify, you can leave a little rating in Spotify. And um, what else? Oh, please, 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 please share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow this podcast. So if you're listening and you love it and you have a friend that loves Almost 30 or um, really loves talking about female friendships and spirituality, this is the episode for them. So go ahead and send it to them. Or maybe there's a past episode um, that you really enjoyed. Please, please, please share it with a friend. They will appreciate it. It's a wonderful source of connection and it will help me grow this podcast. So I appreciate it. I think that's it. I'm really excited to talk, get into this episode, um, to hear these women talk about how they have healed a lot of their own um, just like trauma from childhood, trauma from growing up, bullying. The word bullying came up a lot. Um, it's really, really powerful. And I have learned so much from these women. So, so, so much. So I'm really excited to share them with you today. All right. Without further ado, I give you Lindsay Simsick and Krista Williams of Almost 30. Welcome to Lit AF. I am so excited to have you here. Krista and Lindsay, you are the hosts of Almost 30, and I recently completed the amazing podcast Accelerator Workshop with you too. So excited to have you here. We're so, so excited to be here, Sarah. Thanks for having us. It's we a just very... had a good 20 minutes hanging first. It was nice. Yeah, tr truly. Full circle yeah. moment with you. Yeah, it feels good. It's, it. Honestly, it's just nice to hear your voices again. I heard I did the podcast accelerator program, which is like a weekly 
How many weeks was it? Seven, six? I can't remember. Seven. Was the best weeks Seven. of your life. What do you mean? <laughs> best weeks. I made my Seven best weeks, friends. <laughs> yeah, it was the best weeks of my life. Um, and so just hearing your voices feels like really good. I'm really excited to be back here with you. Us too, honey. Yay. Okay, so today we're going to talk about friendship. We're going to talk about spirituality. We're going to talk about healing. I love it. So my favorite thing about you two is a story about how you met. So I want to jump in and just right out of the gate start talking about friendship because I admire your relationship so much. And when I hear you speak and when you're hosting your show, like to me, that's really what comes through. So will you tell our listeners the story about how you two met? Yes. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll tell it. So – I was living in New York City, and when I was living in New York City, I was at a corporate job. I had kind of bounced around corporate jobs in my corporate career. I was at one job, and I wasn't feeling super inspired or excited, and I found SoulCycle. And SoulCycle is this like indoor workout that people do in cities. It's like really expensive, but there's a real good vibe. They have good music. You know, it's just like a whole community. So I became obsessed and I was like, oh my God, I want to be an instructor. And so I you know, did everything I could do and I auditioned in New York City and I didn't get it. Um, so we decided, oh. my husband and I, I know, literally, they're, they're, they're pissed off that they didn't hire me. I bet. Obviously, um, they're lost. What year yeah, was this? Sorry. What, what year was this? This was 2013 or 14. Okay. So this was like height of souls. Like this was- yes. Pinnacle. Yeah. Like it was a whole, I would, I remember I was laughing this weekend. I'd have a meeting invite on Mondays at 12 to be like, sign up for soul. And I would literally have a reminder to like sign up for soul and get the classes that I wanted. And, and I had no money and I was spending ridiculous amounts of money on classes, but I befriended people there so I could get free classes, which was key, a key part of my, my ability to audition. But my husband and I moved to Los Angeles and I was like, I still want to be a soul cycle instructor. I want to do everything that I can. So I needed to get connected to someone that taught at SoulCycle to help me with my audition, to help me understand like what I needed to do in my audition. And this person happened to connect me with Lindsay, who was an instructor here. Yes, he was an instructor here in LA. And she helped me with my second audition, which I didn't get. Um, We became friends. And from that moment, you know, we just really had this deep connection and this like just a really meaningful connection and a different connection than both of us had felt with other people or other friends at the time. And so we just started to hang out more and more. And eventually, you know, one day we were having this really deep conversation about our life and all the changes we were going through. And I said, you know, do you want to start a podcast? And she was like, yeah, I'm down. Like she's always down. So we started a podcast and we started recording on our closets floors for like seven months. And then eventually we put the show out and that was like six years ago. And so it's really grown from like something that we created from our hearts on our closet floors to this really beautiful opportunity we have to work with amazing people, you know, like yourself. I love that. Okay. So Lindsay, you were, let's go to like your, your version of the story. You are a soul cycle instructor in LA. How do you get connected? What, and what's kind of like, what were you doing at the time when you met? Yeah. So I was, uh, teaching in LA and prior to being in LA, I was living in New York. Krista and I didn't know each other there, but I had this just wild moment where, you know, I was a soul cycle instructor for like three months in New York. Um, after having, you know, done all the jobs, I was a bartender, a fit model. I was trying to audition during the day, but I wasn't going to bed until 4am because I was bartending. I found soul cycle as a way to express myself and to wake myself up in the morning. (laughs) Um, and like Krista, I couldn't, you know, It's definitely not something I should have been spending money on, um, but it just brought me so much joy. So fast forward, I go through the training program. They moved me out to LA after three months of teaching. I said yes right away. I just knew that I was supposed to be out in LA. I had dreamed of being out there at some point in my life. Yeah, I really feel like that move um, brought me out of, you know, a really low point in my life after Um, I had broken up with my long-term boyfriend who I thought I was going to be with forever. And it just gave me like this new, I don't know, it felt like a little rebirth, you know, a new place, um, a new environment, being in the sunshine all the time, new friends, no one really knowing me, just being able to really start over. Um, And so when I met Krista, I was about a year, year and a half in, 
uh, to me living there. And we were both going through just this time when we thought we should know more about life. We thought we should have things a bit more figured out than we did. Um, and so our conversations revolved around kind of like our doubts and fears and questions. And um, it was really comforting. And it was just like a deep, meaningful relationship right off the bat. And so when she asked me to do a podcast, I was down. Um, and yeah, it's just been, I never expected it to be the, obviously the, the business that it is, the brand that it is, the impact, the community that it is. Um, but I think that's often what happens with part of your sole purpose is that like, you can't know all of those things until you like just fully surrender to Mm. what's happening and really follow the feeling. I love that. That's so beautiful. And so you've taken this friendship from literally just being friends to meeting from SoulCycle to now being business owners. Like how has that grown and changed your friendship and how do you still feed it? Yeah, I think it's not for the faint of heart, you know, to be in business with your best friend. It's not easy. It's as beautiful as it looks, but it can also be really hard. I think when you're in an actual intimate, true, real relationship, it can get sticky at times. And for Lindsay and I, you know, we've had to work through so much. We realized that the product of Almost 30, you know, if Almost 30 was a product or the podcast, everything we create is better when we are synergizing, when we are connecting, when we are communicating, when we are having fun. And so it's a lot of beautiful pressure for us, you know, to make sure that we're maintaining our relationship because everything's better. We feel better. I feel better about myself. I feel better about us. She feels better about herself. And then the product is also really good. So we always say for anyone that wants to start a business with their best friend or someone they feel really close to, you know, you always have to be really prepared to have a lot of hard conversations to, um, you know, negotiate on things. Like there's just a lot you also have to trust too. So the Mm. way that we've approached our relationship is just by making sure to always have hard conversations when they need to be had, never letting something left unsaid. You know, if there's something on my heart, if there's something on her heart, we always want to bring it to one another because we trust each other to support one another, even when we feel a little angry or sticky or abandoned or you know, frustrated, we're going to support each other all along the way. So being really open with communication, being in therapy, both of us are in therapy and that's together or separate. We actually, well, I would say, so we have a healer and a coach and that's kind of like our therapy too. So we have Mm. our own personal therapist, and then we also have a coach that we work with and then a healer that we work with. So those two people serve as like our joint therapists and they definitely have been like a therapist to us for sure. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So therapy is important. And then just like prioritizing, you know, in my life, like the relationship over other things. It's like really meaningful to always make sure that people know how important they are to you. And that hasn't always been like the easiest thing for me to always, you know, make the people that are truly, really intimate to me feel really special and feel really um, important. Because I think just as a last thing, we all know this, that like sometimes our family or the people that should know how much we love them don't always, you know, know how much we love them because we kind of just assume it's there. That's really beautiful and such a good reminder. And like something that I never th- – I'm like constantly thinking of that in my marriage but never yeah. thinking about that in my friendships. And especially I'm never thinking about that in my business partnerships. So it's really cool to see it kind of translated beyond just friendship and across yes. those areas. And I would also say though like I don't think you need to apply the framework of depth <laughs> that Lindsay and I have to like any business partner. Like this is like best friend and business partner. This isn't mm-hmm. – if you just have a business partner and like it works well in that context where you're like, hey, we we have boundaries and we are keeping parts of our life separate that you don't need to go as deep as we do. Like Lindsay's and I's is for the people that want to be in real intimate deep relationship. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Question. Are you guys into attachment styles at all? And if you are, are you willing to share your own attachment style? Yeah. I feel like mine changes depending on the relationship. <laughs> 100%. Yep. That makes sense. It's a yeah. continuum. <laughs> yeah. Because I can be I can be avoidant with Krista. Mm-hmm. And I can be I, – I, I feel like when Sean and I first moved in together, I was like anxious attached. 
so it really depends like on the energetics and it depends on like what the other person might be um, bringing to the surface for me. I guess triggering is the right word, like triggering for me, but I can definitely be both. But I feel like the work that we do together, Krista and I, it's, it's pretty cool because we're able to pretty much in real time, like call that out. Mm. Um, or at least reflect upon it over a few days and be like, huh, that was that, that was my anxious attachment or that was my avoidant, like, and, and really speak to that and the why and be able to understand what triggered that. So I'm really thankful because it's, you know, you hear that and you're like, Ooh, anxious attachment or Ooh, like avoidant. That sounds bad, but it's not, it's just like aspects of ourselves. And we can, if we can kind of bring it more into secure. Yeah. I think that's obviously ideal. Um, but I, I think it's really cool when you have relationships that you can kind of practice this in, mm-hmm. you know, where you feel safe and you trust the other person. So that's I love that. Yeah. It kind of makes things just like it provides, it makes things more less, less personal you know, if you're, if you're in conflict with someone or you're having a hard conversation, you know, if you're like, Hey, you're really making me feel like I want to like run away, <laughs> you know, if, for, with Lindsay's avoidant or like that, I want to, you know, to, I want freedom. Like if freedom is something that I want, you can be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm having this anxious and you're having this avoidant. And then we're like, Oh, it's this thing that we're doing rather than me, rather than Lindsay. So it kind of takes a lot of ego out of it. So that's Mm -hmm. why being in therapy or just understanding that sort of language really helps you to work through conflict because you're like, because then you can notice the patterns and say, Ooh, I'm being anxious right now. I have that anxious attachment style. And then it's not like you, it's the thing or the action that you sometimes do. So knowing attachment styles has been huge and I'm the same. I'm usually avoidant with most people. Um, but for some reason, Lindsay activates this like anxious attachment style in me. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's it's so interesting because most of my life I've been like avoidant, whatever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's a <new> strategy. Yes. <laughs> I, don't care. I don't care about you. <laughs> Ever talk to the hand? Yeah. Talk, talk to, to the, the hand. hand. <laughs> what is it? Talk to the hand because the face don't ain't listening or something. Yeah. Talk yes. to the hand because the face ain't listening. That was a fun one. We should bring that back. We should, honestly. <laughs> It's back. It's already back now. Yes. <laughs> it's so interesting. I love what you're saying of the, you're in this space where you're being almost like invited. I wouldn't even say challenged, invited to share and work through and be honest and vulnerable with each other. And part of me is like, I have those friendships and I'm like, sometimes it's really great. And then sometimes I'm like, can I just like take a nap? Like, do we have to? Yes. I mean, mean, like, do we have to to work through things or what do you, what do you mean? What's tiring? Yeah. Like, like, am I going to, am I, do I have the energy to rise to like my highest today and like really be honest and vulnerable, you know? I'm just like, I just want to sit on the couch and be avoidant and I want to know a hundred percent. I think about that a lot. I'm like, man, this is a lot of energy and work. I know. (laughs) We had a day like that today. We're like, yeah, we said that today because you know you have hard conversations with people in your life, whether they're your family, friends, if you work with them. If you're really being a truthful person, you will have hard conversations in your life. If you're not, you can avoid them forever. But yeah, it's like tiring at a point. You're like, God, do I have to like think about what I'm going to say every time I say something? (laughs) Can I just like say or express or be without processing? But yeah. But here we are. And and, and it's it's a wonderful place to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, to have that invitation on the daily is amazing. Yes. It's true. And you have each other. So that's always nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay. So this relationship has moved to a long-distance relationship recently. Share with us how that's going. Yeah. So back in May, um, I guess it's been, yeah, maybe eight months now, nine months. I moved to Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn, BK. BK, baby. (laughs) I moved in with my now fiance, Sean. And congratulations. um, Thank you. And this was after being in LA for seven years. Um, I grew up on the East Coast and I have lived in New York before. So this was not something that was totally new. 
living in Brooklyn was new and living with someone else, a partner is very new for me. The process started when I made the internal decision. And then, you know, from there, it was the conversation with Krista about this move, which was, you know, incredibly hard because it is affecting so much. It's affecting our relationship, our business, you know, and it was pretty scary for me to express something that I knew was right for me, but that would like really kind of, um, yeah, it would have to change a lot. But, you know, I think that, uh, that really sparked a lot of hard, but deep and very meaningful conversations between she and I, um, our coach facilitated some of it, healings, um, And it's been really beautiful. Um, It's been beautiful and hard. You know, that is what life is at times. And um, I think we've done a really great job of um, making it work logistically and also communicating throughout. You know, we had a conversation recently where I was like, I am resistant to like planning so far in advance with travel. You know, it's like this weird, don't tell me what to do thing. I, I don't totally. even know. I get it. And, and I'm just, you know, I, I had to look at that and be like, this is a business, you know, and we have to treat it as such. And, and if traveling is going to be a part of that, that's what it is, you know? And so I, I feel like we're still kind of finessing the flow and, um, yeah, just how we make this work to the best of our ability. And I think that's something that we just do really well. You know, we just really make things work. We have an incredible team that helps us to make that work as well. Um, But it's also been, I think, good to create space for other things that she and I want to work on individually. Um, Because I I think ultimately that makes almost 30, even more dimensional and alive. So yeah, it's a process. It's definitely a process, but, um, I think, you know, to go back to what Krista said at the beginning about our friendship, it's like, that's number one. And we really have to prioritize that even when it gets hard with the business sometimes, you know, it's like always remembering like, what is at the core of this? And that's our relationship. That's really beautiful. What's been the hardest part? Of distance. I think it's only cause it's now at first it was like, I was getting married. She was moving. There was like a lot of like, and it's like, it kind of just feels like vacation when we're not working together. So I think now it's starting to get a little harder where it's like, you have to get everything in, in a week or two weeks, which is the nature of it. But just, it's hard to have energy like that for like 10 days sometimes. So some days we can be like so tired for doing like three interviews a day because we're batching content. So it just can, the workflow balance is something that we're definitely getting used to, but it's not anything that feels really hard. You know, it's just like, you got to power through and get everything done. But yeah, it never has felt really hard. And you do most of your interviews in person, right? Yeah, we try to. We like to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so much travel. That's wild. It's, It's just a lot of energy in three interviews. You're listening really hard and you're thinking really (laughs) intensely and you're wanting to like be in the moment, ask questions. It's, it's, it's so much. Mm, It's so much. So have female relationships like always come easy to you too? I'm curious. I would say no, I definitely (laughs) not. I, I, some of my, like some, one of my earliest memories is like getting in the car on the way to nature camp with these two girls. And all of a sudden they didn't like me this year. And I was like, wow, this is horrifying. I hate that. Yeah, it was like, oh, wow, this is a horrifying thing because you're a little and you don't really understand, but I have not had a good, you know, female friendship relationship. Definitely some bullying in high school and all of that kind of stuff and um, definitely some friendship breakups that really, really, really hurt. But when I started to really look at the mother wound and inner child healing and now teen healing, um, I started to realize what was coming up for me in all these relationships and I could really draw some patterns and a lot of times it was enmeshment. A lot of times it was codependency. A lot of times it was um, triangulation or jealousy triangulation. from any party. So triangulation is basically like can often exemplify a, a power dynamic where there'll be a situation with two and 
the case of three friends where two of the girls love each other this week and they're talking bad about the third one. And then, you know, one of the girls might switch to the third one and be friends with her that week. And then they would kind of X out the third. So it's kind of like a, this power dynamic that happens where it's victim, oppressor, and then one other name. And it just never really feels secure, never really feels healthy, never really feels balanced and can be really challenging and usually comes up in female friendships. Mm. I've definitely been in that situation. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like par for the course. But if you can look at all these relationships as like a mirror for you and an opportunity for you to say, huh, where am I not being authentic? Where am I being dishonest? Where am I, um, you know, not being not being truthful or not having hard conversations or where am I being judgmental? You can look at all of these and really just find patterns within them. And for me, again, my pattern was codependency, enmeshment, and triangulation. And so how could I look at myself as like a, a player in that where I was, you know, causing that to happen myself? How, what did it feel like and how can I not do that for the future? Wow. And do you think that you were like, it sounds like you found a lot of this out after meeting Lindsay. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I definitely understood it after Lindsay. I had probably one or two relationships um, in the beginning of Lindsay and I's relationship and even during where I was like, huh, it felt like the, I could actually see the example of the pattern where before mm. I was kind of unconscious to it. And so I was aware, I became aware through all the work that we do of these patterns. And then I had two relationships show up for me where I could be like, oh, this is my test to see if this relationship and this person is going to be a relationship I pursue. And I, and I didn't. Um, and then, you know, you're able to really just make better decisions with your friendships moving forward. And for me, that was really more honesty. That was telling my friends how I felt, um, being unafraid to be angry, being unafraid to say the wrong thing, say the right thing, allowing myself to be seen, um, so it's figuring out the pattern, you know, trying to heal the pattern and then really work with your close friends to create a new system that your body gets used to. I love that. And you mentioned earlier that you sometimes or most times lean avoidance. I'm curious what's been like your trick or like push for yourself to share and be vulnerable in those moments when, you know, when you're avoidant, that's not necessarily like a safe strategy. Yeah, I think with the sharing thing, it's kind of the avoidant attachments more so it seems like in conflict where if like a conflict comes up, I'm kind of like, I'm good on all this. Um, but the the way that I would not want to be seen was, um, you know, the way that I grew up in my family system, my mom had mental illness and kind of went through her own struggles with various things. And I realized at a young age that the way that I could get her to pay attention to me was by asking her questions about herself, by, you know, fully succumbing to whatever the, her energetic signature was at that moment to make her happy. And so what I did as a coping mechanism most of my life is really just avoid myself, my preferences, my expression in um, situations where I didn't feel safe. And then that meant asking people questions, interviewing them. That meant uh, fully being in service to like whatever they were interested in at the time. So that was my pattern. And I've really had to work on just like the gentle nudges in the moment. Like it's okay for you to talk about what's going on in your life with people you love. It's okay for them to help you. It's okay for them to be there for you. It's okay for them to show up for you. And it really is just like the gentle reminders um, also mother wound work again, like that's where we learn how to be in relationship with a woman or a female. Um, you're really learning that from when you're in the womb of the mother. So I think when we look at our mother relationship, we can understand a lot of different dynamics that might be showing up for us in our female relationships as opportunities for us to heal that original mother wound. Mm, I love that. I'm reading healing the mother wound right so now. Good. Don't you love it? So good. So timely. Oh, yeah. But like my thing is I'm not even ready to like be able to judge my mom just because of my family dynamics. My father was super abusive and my mom was the like – she was the sane one and the caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, she was a, like our safety for sure. Yeah. And abuser dynamics, it's always like the hero. One's the hero. A hundred percent. So for me to read the book, I'm in the third – I think I'm in the fourth chapter right now where it's literally like, okay, you actually need to look at being able to like – see your mother in this way. Wow. And the whole time I've just been reading the first three chapters and I'm just like, I'm not ready. I don't think there's a problem. I'm good. Wow. <laughs> like I no mean, one 
no one doesn't love. have it. Like when you're able to be like, okay, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to love you still. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what's real. You know, that's the shadow. And that's, that's so important. I know my mm -hmm. lovely husband has that same feeling too, where he's like, I don't want to know about parents. Like if they're not perfect, he's like, I don't want to know if they're anything but perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like this little safe that's, you know, it is. it's heartbreaking and for a child. Yeah. And then if there's in my family, if there was something wrong, it was horribly wrong. So it's hard to it's it's really hard for like the subtle um forgivenesses and like just being the little bit imperfect or like having a little bit of imperfection. It's like, oh, what else is there? You know? Yes. So wow. I'm enjoying. Wow. It's it's juicy. How about you, Lindsay? Yeah, so I we went back friendships. to female friendships. I know yeah. we, we went on a, a beautiful tangent there. No, we were, yeah, no, it's all connected. Um, yeah, I, I'm the oldest of four kids. I have two sisters and my mom in our family. So girls ruled and, um, you know, we had, I think, you know, an overall healthy relationship. There's definitely mother wound stuff there, but you know, I think for me, the most notable like fracture in my relationship with women happened in middle school. And like in middle school, everything is the fucking end of the world. Do you know what I mean? So yes, I'll describe this. And, you know, there's many people out there who uh, experience bullying. And I just want to like validate that experience because it truly, yeah, it is your whole world at the time. And it does leave a mark. Um, and it is like a form of, you know, small, small T trauma. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I'm realizing now in real time, we're talking about triangulation. I mean, that was like my whole high school ex or middle school experience, but, um, this girl like love bombed me and like, was like, you are my best friend. I was the new girl in school. You are my best friend. Like, I'm going to take care of you. Like, we're going to do this. We're best friends, blah, blah, blah. And then when I started to kind of shine in the way that I intended to at this school, because it was all about theater and I auditioned for things and was getting parts, she completely like turned against me and like told my whole grade, which was 25 people. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it 25... makes it even worse if it's 25. <laughs> I know. It actually was worse. 25 girls oh. and um, told them not to talk to me. So literally no one talked to me for an entire year except this girl, Emily. Shout out, Emily. Um, Emily is and such it a was... good name. We love you, Emily, wherever you are. Yeah. It was just... I, yeah, I just remember feeling like a deep, deep sense of like loneliness. I was definitely like depressed for a period. I would like fall asleep everywhere I was because I was just emotionally so exhausted and didn't want to go to school. And I just, I think that like fractured my trust in women that like made me feel like I couldn't really be myself. I couldn't shine. I couldn't, you know, share vulnerably and feel safe because there was thing there was like rumors that she would start that were pretty inappropriate and like yeah it was just like a weird it was a weird time so you know high school turned into turned out to be okay and college was was fine but I think I helped I carried that with me unknowingly you know, throughout. And I think it still can show up now. I've definitely worked so much on it. And I think Krista has been, you know, such a key part in healing that for me and just our group of friends, the community that we have, and um, even the Almost 30 community at large. Like that is a, a part of my healing for sure, to see women support one another and heal together and be seen for who they really are. I mean, it's like on the daily, I think healing that part. That's beautiful. And I'm so sorry you went through that. That is traumatic. I'm going to call that a big take. Like that is to not have anyone talk to you for a whole year. Yeah. Except for Emily. But I think what's like interesting and what was so maddening about that was the adults that like definitely knew something was going on and there was nothing truly done because her mom worked at the school. So it was just like, I was just like, so like, I felt powerless, you know, like Oof. I couldn't change my circumstances and my parents were, you know, very supportive, but they're like, listen, we got you, but like, you have to go to school, you know, like, 
yeah, it, they, they tried their best, but it was just one of those things. She eventually left to go pursue being a soap opera star. Thank God, you know? Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> she I wonder it. how short her career no, was. She's, I actually think about her probably like twice a year. And I just, I really do pray for her because I know she had a lot of trauma too. You know, she mm, really, I think she course. actually did have a lot of trauma in her family. And um, this was kind of a, a symptom. And um, I really do feel for her. I have no idea where she is, but. That is a beautiful sentiment. The fact that you can say that to, to the abuser is like incredible and really, yeah, a statement on how much work you've done on that. That's amazing. Okay, anything else you want to share about friendships before we move on to spirituality? Last thing. I did this, I think, last year, but I made a list of all of my friends. <clears throat> and this sounds like I'm being five years old, but it's just for me. It's not like sharing with them their rankings. But I just made a list of all my friends, and I categorized them. And it helped me to understand like my time spend and how I was going to prioritize friendships and relationships. And it also helped me to prioritize like how much access they have to me. And I'm sure they do this with me as well, you know, people in my life. But I highly recommend just getting really, really clear on your relationships because I think social media has made it all a gray area with friends. You're friends with people, you know, and you have a thousand friends on Facebook. You have 18,000 people that you DM with. And so it's kind of made it a gray area. So I think knowing truthfully, like who the most meaningful people in your life and who are the people you really want to invest in and who are the people you want to call once a month or every other week or whatever it is really helps to just understand and prioritize your time. I love that. It's like being proactive rather than reactive. Like I've got so many invitations right now for trips this summer and I'm like, I can't do it all. Exactly. That's but I want to yeah, I want to spend the most important time with my most important people. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people live on the fringe too, where there's people that are like kind of on the precipice. You're like, are you going to become my friend? Are you going to mm. be someone I just see? Are you going to be – and that also be like where I can think in my head when I see people, I'm like, oh, you're not in any of my circles, but I can respect when we're out and we can have fun together. But it's like I know that if you're in my circle, I'm going to give to you and I'm going to be – yeah, we're going to be in this mutual relationship because people are really lucky to be in friendship with you. People are really lucky to be in relationship with me. I'm an amazing friend. So it's like, who is who's deserving of that? And then who do I have that expectation from as well? That's really cool. I love that. Yeah, it does. At the beginning did sound like middle school. I loved that. <laughs> we're, we're back in our journals. <laughs> I love that. I one time was like naming my friends to Justin. He's like, are you 12? He's like, I love this person and this person and this person. He's like, I am for 12. But the inner 12-year-old is very happy. By doing it, yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's beautiful. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Okay, so I want to hear about kind of your your own spiritual journeys. So actually, what I would love to start from is like going from Soul Cycle to the podcast and like coming up with a topic for the podcast. I I did listen to – I'm sorry I'm bringing this up. You probably don't want to talk about it. I did listen to your episode where you re-listened to your first episode. I thought that was like the sweetest, most wonderful – you're so far away from your first episode and I'm so close to mine. So it was like just so sweet and wonderful. For anyone's listening, you can listen to it. It's like us reacting to our first episode, which at this point was 500 episodes ago. 
six wow. years ago. Congrats. And we just were saying nothing. We were like, hey, guys, <laughs> like, welcome to the show. It's us. And like, okay, so let me be honest with you. Uh, and we're like, we just met. Like, you don't, we don't know if you're being honest or not right now. Like, she's like, let me, we're like, let me be honest with you. We just, we're going to keep it real on this. And we're going to say, we're going to say a lot of how we feel. And I, like, I think a lot of that, but not saying anything at all. It was like, we're going to be real. It's like, okay, about what? <laughs> and we were like, and probably five times we're like, okay, before we get started. <laughs> I swear to God, we like had an ad in there and it was like our first episode. We're like, okay, here we go. And our voices sound, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Every time I'm like, yeah, uh huh, yeah, uh huh. Lindsay's talking. I'm like, yeah, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, uh huh. We had no idea that there was like two microphones on catching noise the whole time. <laughs> it's so endearing. It is just like it's so. so we're gonna do another one of those. We, do one of those. we should do yeah. one of the relationship ones, Lindsay. Yes. Oh Live lesson. Yeah. Live lesson. So it's funny. so good. I think you ended it by saying you're like, okay, so next week we're gonna have a segment. And you're like, what segment? We've never had segments <laughs> no. before. <laughs> no, I think we said, I think we said we're trying in a new segment. This yes, 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 yes. But it was our first episode, so they were like, What do you mean a new segment? Yes, it was. We had like it was like a game show. We had like 20 segments. We all <laughs> We also incorporated uh, copyrighted music like yes. Britney Spears and Missy oh Elliott, God. you know. Oh, bad my God. God. We played so- I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. <laughs> I thought that was the most creative transition ever. It was hilarious. Hot <laughs> on for the topic. It's so good. <laughs> I was I was editing the show at that point. <laughs> yeah. And I remember actually every single week, Lindsay – oh, this is amazing. Every single week, Lindsay would put a new song at the end. I'd oh be my like, God. What, what song are you going to put as an outro? It was like a little playlist. <laughs> we, should, we should go back and listen to those. Yeah, make to. A, please make us a playlist of those songs. <laughs> I will. It was like every week was new and fresh. One week I was like, Justin's been making songs on his computer. Can we use one of his, his songs? <laughs> Honestly, they were probably like my soul cycle playlist. <laughs> they were your soul cycle playlist. I'm sure at the end of it, you're like, Jesus, I don't want to find another song for the week. <laughs> like, I'll I copyrighted do this for songs. I'll copyrighted. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so now we have the background on the first episode. But how, I mean, how did kind of your own spiritual journeys get to where you are today? And go slow and be specific. I want to hear all the details. Oh, yeah. That's a loaded a loaded question because um, I feel, you know, it's, it's ongoing. But I feel like the move to L.A. when I got the call from SoulCycle um, late one night and they said, you know, we can talk about this or we don't. Like, it's totally up to you, but we want you to move to L.A. Would you go? And that was the first time, you know, looking back, my, like, my soul was like, screaming, she's like, go. And like, I didn't even, I didn't even pause. I just said, yes, I'll go. And I, I almost like, kind of like paused afterwards and was like, oh my God, I just said yes to moving to LA. Meanwhile, I was like living with my best friend established, like all these things. My family was on the East coast. Like there's no real reason why. I should have said yes in that moment, but I really felt that soul pull. And from that point on, everything just really fell into place. And I was out there like a month later living there. And um, obviously we know from there I met Krista and we started almost 30 and really started my journey through the podcast of, yeah, just, I I, I think, you know, we call it and we hear it like awakening, but I was awakening to my own soul. I was awakening to this truth that we are all one. I was awakening to, um, or reconnecting to my relationship with God. Um, cause Catholic school kind of like ripped that out from under me, but it's just all been this incredibly purposeful and divinely guided thing. And, and I say, often when talking about the spiritual, my spiritual path, because sometimes I say that I'm like, but it's just like my life and like, and it's your life. And I feel like everyone is kind of on their own 
spiritual path, whether they realize it or not. And I've had some of the most spiritual moments in like very simple, kind of boring, mundane moments with myself or with people or what you would think is mundane. But, and I think it's the, the ability to attune to the present moment and be taking in the sensations in my body and, you know, the subtle nuance of feeling super connected to God, to nature, um, to feeling my heart open and really in love with someone. Like it's, it's really those moments that I'm shown like, oh my gosh, I am so much more than just this human, you know, flopping around on earth. It's like, no, like I am more than just the physical. I am so much more. I'm multidimensional and I'm able to access that in any moment. So I know that was like a lot of high level weird talk, but I don't know. I just, I feel like the everyday is such a spiritual moment when you allow it to be. And it makes life so much more fun. And I think some of the practices that have like really helped me to understand this and feel this in my body are breath work, um, which has been really powerful for me to connect with my soul. It's like straight shot to the soul. Um, Soul journaling, which our friend Elisa Romeo teaches in her book, Meet Your Soul. Um, And honestly, like just having these hard conversations that we were talking about before in relationships that mean a lot to me, it feels very spiritual to me, Mm -hmm. you know? That's so beautiful. I love looking at it like that. Wow. It's like that's that's the connection. Yeah. Even Completely. if it, even though it's uncomfortable and for some people hard. Mhm. That's beautiful. Thank you. What about you, Krista? I've never interviewed two people at the same time, so you're crushing. This it. is all new to me. Yeah. You got our names right. Sure important. Getting everyone. <laughs> we were on this podcast and they were like we were talking to this person. They had been on our podcast and their assistant was on. And we're like, oh, yeah, what number was that? And the assistant dropped the link to a podcast that they thought we were in the chat. They thought we were this, like, other two-girl duo podcast. We were like, oh, oh wow. My God. Um, that was an amazing time. But uh, my, my spiritual journey, you know, I think when we can think about our life and growing up and being young and being a kid, it really happens, you know, when you're super young. And a lot of the next part is really unlearning all the things that you learned in the middle, you know, in the middle of you being a child, in the middle of the process of growing up. And, um, I felt really different where I grew up. I felt, um, like I was interested in different things and like I had different feelings. I was very much seeing things when I was little, I was very much experiencing a lot. Um, and so I kind of lost it along the way, but I even found journals when I went home recently where I was like writing letters to Jesus and I didn't felt Mm -hmm. religious at all, but I felt like I had this connection. And I also wrote all my books to aliens. I was like obsessed with aliens from a young age. Yeah, it was like I was very much me. Um, But I really, really opened uh, up to spirituality in a really meaningful way when um, I started to meditate. So I started to meditate uh, because I had so much anxiety that I didn't know what else to do. I wasn't ready to fully commit to prescriptions and I wanted to figure out a way to feel better and you know have my life back. So I started to meditate and from there it really, really took off. You know, I started to discover books that I loved that really inspired me. I started to feel more like myself. I started to feel less anxious. I started to feel more like me. And from there it's really snowballed into becoming vegan into stopping drinking, into, um, you know, creating a life that I love with Lindsay and a life that I love here in LA. Uh, But for me, spirituality mostly is, like Lindsay said, it's those tiny moments. It's being someone that can be so present for their life that they don't miss any part of it. You know, it's being someone that's, no matter if it's hard, is going to say the truth and someone that feels like they are here for a purpose And that's what's the most important thing is that I think so often we're told that we don't matter and that our lives don't matter and that nothing really matters and it's all hopeless, but everything really matters and and we really matter, each one of us. So that is probably it. And I think for tools for people to connect, it's going to look different for everyone. And I think it's heartbreaking to see when spirituality comes up sometimes because I think people think that it's not accessible for them you know, that they can't connect to God or source or 
that they, you know, aren't as spiritual as someone else because they don't live in Bali or they don't meditate every day or they don't, you know, eat all organic or all of these labels that we put on spirituality. And so people can really discover it for themselves. You know, you can be spiritual and work at McDonald's and, you know, live in Kansas. You can be spiritual if you live in New York and you're in finance. Like it doesn't really matter who you are, where you came from. It really matters that you have this like intentional connection and knowing that there's something bigger that is supporting you in living the fullest life possible. That's beautiful. I love that. I was in a lift recently where the driver was like, oh, I'm super religious. Like, how about you? And I was like, oh, I'm really spiritual. I just had no idea, like oh, no wow. clue what that meant. And I was like trying to explain like, oh, I feel like I have a connection with, you know, divine universe. And they were just like, I don't get it, but how do you, but you don't go to church. <laughs> yeah. There's so many other ways to connect. Wow. So many other ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but for part of my spiritual practice, like in the beginning, I was like, oh, I can't, I, I just don't think I can, you know, tap into my Akashic records or like, I'm really not getting any downloads or, you know, I, I don't really know how to follow my intuition. And I really feel like that too is programming in itself of, of I do now, but I, I'm just learning how to like, or relearn how to get in touch with it. Completely. I think, I think the, the comparison loop is like, can really trip us up when we're trying to create our own like practices and, you know, connection to ourselves and soul and God. Um, because we have people's lives and the way in which we, they do things in our faces all the time on social media. So just have to kind of observe that, you know, because I can definitely get stuck in that, but um, it's just not true. You know, it's, it's not true. Everyone can and has like the divine right to, to connect and to, you know, make spirituality exactly what it's meant to be for them. I love that. I've said this to you before and I'll say it again. Lindsay, when you start your ashram, I am ready to join. <laughs> I will be the, I am the first in line. I want to go. <laughs> I actually want to go to an ashram. I saw someone that we know go to an ashram. I was like, oh, that works. Where are fun. they located? I feel like there's one in LA. Are they what um, of what lineage or tradition? Buddhism? I think it's Buddhist, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Buddhist, but I, I don't know a lot about it, actually. Um, I think Bees Honey went, but it looked like a really beautiful- oh, Yeah, there is one in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's like full-time Buddhist yeah, living. Spa resort retreat. Is this- oh. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like mine. <laughs> is this <laughs> almost 30 ashram? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is this- Five star. <laughs> is this okay to say? <laughs> do I, it's too early to announce yet, but yeah. do they do they do full body scrubs or yeah, it's like facials, like it's like an LA thing. They're like the ashram. Okay, that's different. No, I'm gonna look at this. This is amazing. It's like it's so yeah, it's a program. That's hilarious. Um, You'll transform your body, mind, and soul. I I just feel like that's a classic LA ashram right there. That sounds like a boot camp. (laughs) Boot camp. It's a wild time. It's like you'll wake up at five thirty and like have. It was very weird. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, okay, so I'd love to hear from both of you. What tool or practice has been like the most profound for your healing trauma, healing of trauma? I would say meditation is probably the most important of anything because it gives you the space to pull apart from you believing that you are your trauma. So oftentimes when we experience trauma, we create these patterns and stories and practices and addictions, and we don't know how to separate that from the self, the biggest self. And so we think that we are our addictions, our traumas, our stories, our limiting beliefs. And so with meditation, you're able to separate the two. And I think that's probably the most important thing that anyone could do is kind of notice and witness themselves or notice and witness the patterns or stories. And then I would say that therapy, you know, therapy isn't so incredibly helpful. I was so skeptical of therapy for so long. I just, I didn't see how um, anyone could tell me what I didn't know because I'm constantly analyzing myself. And so I also didn't know how to trust someone. And it just provides every single thing about yourself because it's only about you in this one little container in space. And if you have a good therapist, it will literally change your life. So 
therapy. However, people can get it if it's accessible for them, maybe through BetterHelp, um, or maybe they can, you know, expense it through work. Yeah, finding the right therapist is so important. I realized for so many years, I just wasn't even sharing. I wasn't even being honest with my therapist because I wasn't in a place where I could feel safe sharing. Mm -hmm. So finding that therapist where you can actually break open and like share, that is like when the juice comes, I feel like, because otherwise I'm just in there like telling them what they want to hear. I did. I did that. I did that early on. I was like, I don't want this to be a place where I'm saying what I think you want me to hear because that's a pattern I have where I would. And so now in there, I commit to saying the very thing that the very grossest thing, the very like darkest thing, the very unprocessed thing, because I want to make use of my time. And I think that's an important point that people can go to therapy and still have their mask on, still be faking it. And without meditation, without the ability to observe yourself, you'll never know that you're just faking it. It takes a while. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And meditation is a free tool, y'all. You free can tool, just, baby. Yeah. Just Taylor's all just commit. <laughs> <laughs> Senor Buddha up there is just like, yeah, I've been telling you this for centuries. Finally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> lit AF. <laughs> he knows. Finally. Um, I would say, yeah, therapy for sure. It's been the best investment in – myself ever. And it's one of those things that you don't know is going to affect everything. Someone might go to therapy for one particular reason. Um, but I promise you it will have just like a really profound butterfly effect into every area of your life. Um, and that's kind of how I feel with, you know, meditation and, and a lot of these modalities where it feels yeah, it feels kind of like nebulous where you're like, I don't know, but you have to trust like truly there is profound healing being done in ways that you can't even comprehend as a human being. I feel that with breath work and I mentioned it earlier, but I'll mention it again because I feel like it is just such a, a powerful practice. And um, this is ba- basically deep patterned breathing. Um, there's different types. There's holotropic, there's Wim Hof, there's yoga like yogic breathing. But, um, what I, how I explain it from my experience is basically you, you breathe so deeply and so intensely that like the ego, like completely dissolves for a period of time and you're left like just completely heart open and like almost face to face with your soul, who you really are. And just so often I'm just kind of in like happy tears. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, there you are. <laughs> I've been freaking running my mind all day. Like there you are, you know, and it's, it's just really beautiful. And it's something I can't always describe to people what happens, but, um, I highly recommend, I highly recommend being guided in breath work. Cause it can be a scary thing. Like the body can, you know, uh, tense up and kind of freeze in your extremities. It's nothing dangerous, but it is kind of a weird feeling. So people can get kind of overwhelmed and it can bring up a lot. It can bring up a lot of emotion. It can bring up memories. It can, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite intense. So I recommend, uh, being guided, um, there's a lot of different resources. Our friend Brie Melanson is an incredible breathwork, um, guide, uh, among many other things. And on her website, I think she has some guided breath work, but yeah, those are, those are my kind of my faves. I love that. I will link that below. I have not used her practices. I have wailed like a baby after a solid breath, breath work session. It is like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've also had like the craziest, trippiest, like psychedelic visions. (laughs) Yeah. I know. It's It's fun. It's crazy. Yeah, it's super I fun. Avoid, I, I avoid that. breath work. I'm not fully there yet. Really? Sometimes yeah. I feel super anxious doing breath work. Yes. Have you come across that, Lindsay? Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's normal? Yes. Oh, that's normal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because it's, like, it's kind of a – you really got to get out of your own way. Like you got to truly mm. be in your body and it's it's intense to – <laughs> like really be there for that because your mind wants to be like okay like this is annoying my mouth is dry like this breathing pattern okay like am I doing it perfectly what am I supposed to be feeling but you really yeah you got to get out of the way damn okay breathe through it 
meet your soul. I love that. That's so beautiful. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thanks for anything, having us. Yeah. Is there is anything so else you wish to share with listeners on their on their own healing journey? Hey, Lit AF. Stay Lit AF. Listen to this <laughs> until the end of time. <laughs> no, we really appreciate it. I'm so we loved having you in our podcast accelerator program. It was just such a delight. It meant a lot that you trusted us. And I'm so glad that the show is like still rocking. It sounds amazing. And we're just really honored. You could find anything almost 30 if you want to connect with us more. Almost30.com, almost 30 podcast on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram at it's Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simsick. So good. Highly recommend following. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. to see us go. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm having a moment. You kind of pause a little bit. You're like, oh. I know. You're like, hmm. I know. We love you. How am I going to end this? Like- I know. <laughs> Should we end on their Instagram handles? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to end. Well, thank you. Thank you for everything that you two do. It is, oh. It's just such a blessing and an honor. And it's such a wonderful space for all of us to practice and learn and heal together. So thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.